This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Ferd Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Ferd Neiman here again today with another episode of the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast. Today, I'm going to cover another case study. This one, it's kind of the, one of the lessons learned is just to be persistent, you know, like a dog on a bone or a rat on a cheeto or whatever uh, goofy little cliche saying you got there but persistence is key this is a deal we bought in my hometown and my dad bugged this seller i don't know every three to six months for probably four or five years and the guy was really cranky he didn't want me to bug him he lived in a double wide in the park and he had a sign on the door don't bug me don't knock he had a rent box out in front of his house and you just put the checks in the rent. The guy was very wealthy. He owned a bunch of farm ground and he owned a really successful concrete company. He was a, he was a worker. I mean, I remember dad and I met with him. I went home for a Christmas break and we met with him. It was like 10 degrees. And we, I thought it was be like 10 minute discussion. And we ended up walking the park with him for hours. And I was so underdressed, a bitter, bitter cold, but I didn't want to like break rapport with this guy, trying to get him over the hump and get him to sign our LOI, which by the way was a binding LOI, which came in really helpful because the guy wanted to backtrack. And eventually we ended up getting him to the closing table because of that LOI. And his attorney was my dad's prior personal attorney. So he did some state stuff for my dad. So he had a conflict. So we got other attorneys and they were you know, difficult, so to speak, because the client was so difficult <clears throat> that we stayed on this guy. And he, I tell you, he had some extra money because it was interesting. After we closed, there were stacks of checks in the Dropbox, and he's never cashed them. And we had a check arrive for him it was a refund check for something in his personal. It came in our mailbox. We had the same, almost same LLC uh, names. We thought it was ours. We opened it. It was like a sixty-five thousand dollar check. And we told him, hey, we got a check for you. This is related to something else. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll get it. I don't know, next time I'm around. And it took like four or five more times us bugging him. And he, he only lived 30 minutes away when he moved. And he was too busy and had the money that he didn't bother to go pick up a $65,000 check for about a month. And part of the reason successful is he's a worker, man. I remember talking to him that day and we're like, you know, we got, we got up five o'clock and get after it. And he's like, yeah, we usually roll out of the shop around... 10 to 4 in the morning every day. So um, he made a lot of money and he didn't spend a lot and he bought it on farms and he spent, and he, and he uh, lived in the park, lived cheap. So good for him. This purchase was a unique combo. Um, it came with 90 pads of MH, came with about two acres of expansion, 42 storage units. There was a little bit of office building um, that we're converting into kind of a studio. And it came with four mobile homes. Two of them were kind of crappy. We demoed one, renovated one. One was okay. And then one of them was the double wide he lived in. It was pretty nice. We fixed it up and sold it for like 50 grand. So I mean, it was a pretty pretty nice little double wide. This is a good looking park. Uh, concrete roads on the back half, which was an expansion. And um, asphalt roads in the front, curbs. Um, 
big storage building up front, and then, and then there was a big storage for like boat storage and stuff, and then self storage, you know, individual small units, which this guy had taken all the dividers out and just used it as one big room for his personal junk. So we had zero occupancy on the storage, and it's been a, kind of a labor love because we're not getting any rentals from our residents because this park being well designed, every single lot has a uh, parking pad, and on it has a carport with the shed attached. So it's a single, the old section has single wides, single spots. The new section has double spots. So if you already got two car parking and then that's, you know, 20 feet wide roughly, you've got a 20 foot wide shed on the back, generally six feet deep. So nobody, none of those residents needed self storage. And then right across the street from us is a big professional self storage operator with a superior facility. And then right down the street, he has another facility that's gated and climate control and all that. So our self-storage facility in front of our mobile home park has been tough to lease. And we're, I think we're at like 28 or 30 units right now out of 40. Um, we bought this deal in August of 2019, so we had it for about two years. We just did a successful refinance with Fannie Mae. And what's great about it was part of the refinance, I wanted to use the two acres for expansion. But Fannie Mae, once you have a loan in place, they won't let you touch the collateral even if I was going to improve it. So what stinks is I went through the state pr approval process, got an expansion, I can get up to 103 pads, but in order to do my refinance now and take advantage of today's, you know, one, get the cash out today, but take today's interest rates and, you know, the risk of being, I was currently on a recourse loan. I just now got onto a non-recourse loan. So I decided to not wait for my expansion because they weren't giving me credit for the income until there was people there. Well, I got to put in the roads and put in the uh, the electric company and gas company were going to put in the utilities and we were going to put in the water and sewer and we had to put a lift station in. So we ended up deciding to not do the expansion right now, but we want to do the refinance right now. So we had to go through the subdivision process with the county and we separated into three parcels, one for expansion, two for so storage, which I'll probably sell once I get it full, and then three for the main park. And then easements uh, benefiting the main park to cross over and access the two curb cuts on the main road so this deal we did a lot of the normal blocking and tackling you know the sub metering uh, slight rent increases um, I only increased the rent 15 bucks I probably should have done more because they really burned me on my refinance I had a lower income the markets and rents are here are pretty low in this market for like unreasonably low I think in part because there's never been professional operators like we're the biggest operator and we're not that big right none of the big guys top you know 25 or 50 owners in the country none of them have um, ever been in this region. So rents have always been low. Um, we did some repairs of the roads. We added a playground, a nice playground. We bought a commercial playground from a school district. We added the normal decor, picket fences, new signage, um, rose bushes, that kind of stuff. And we brought in some homes. We ended up and we had to demo some homes. This guy, the old farmer who owned it, there was a, one home had like a drug or meth problem or something and it, it basically exploded. And it was half burned down it was literally the first lot number one right up front. So it was a huge eyesore. So we made sure to demo that like day one, which really sent a nice message to the residents that we were going to fix this place up. So we had to demo some homes. We had to bring in some infill. I think we brought in, I don't know, half a dozen homes or so. We bought a couple at tax sale. Um, this park also has a duplex. There's the old laundromat. It was already converted to a duplex. So we just renovated. It was one side was vacant. We renovated it and, and leased that up. We're in the process of renovating the um, expansion area. It has an office building on it. We're going to turn into a little one-bedroom, one-bath. Um, so overall, we did the regular blocking and tackling, but 
what really helped us on this deal was we did the replats. We can have the extra money there. We bought it right. Dad was knocking on this guy's door, and he because he was such a cantankerous old guy, he never really responded to people sending him letters and emails and stuff like that and calls. So finally he said, I'll sell it this price. And we said deal and it was a million four twenty five. You know, so pretty good price. It was you know, about not even fifteen thousand a pad. And just cut the submarine in the water, pushing the rents two years in a row, we're in pretty good shape. Well in Illinois, when you sell property uh, when we buy property at the closing, you have to it's called a P tax form, and you got to fill out what you paid, and it goes to the county appraiser. But if it's over a million, it really goes to the county appraiser. So what happened here was the county appraiser took our valuation from seven hundred thousand up to one point four two five, exactly what we paid. But we bought some equipment, we bought some homes, we bought some intangible stuff, you know, permit, good goodwill going concern. So I had an argument that the real property valuation should not be doubled but even better i said look if you just increase my valuation it's called a spot appraisal that is by definition a violation of general appraisal practices uh, i used to be a missouri board member for the iwao which is the international association of assessing officers so i have a little rule book right i pulled up the definition book and i put in a tax appeal the definitions of things among others, uh, spot appraisals and chasing a sale, and you know equity, uniformity, um, accuracy, and, and and really put in a nice narrative um, to do a tax bill. Went to the local appraiser and they said, "Well, that's what you paid for it. Tough." So I lost. Then I went to the local, the regional group. You know, articulated to them very well that look, if you increase my taxes 100 percent, but not everybody else, that is discrimination. So you can't do that. If you increase everybody's, well, then I don't really care because in the aggregate, reassessment is supposed to be revenue neutral with the exception of inflation. So if everybody's 100%, that's, you know, okay, everybody's value doubles, but then everybody's levy rate has to be cut in half. So it'll be the same difference, okay, plus 2% inflation, or in the Biden world, 50% inflation, whatever we're going to get to next, but just a regular 2%, which, which everybody else in the county got. They didn't like that argument. Uh, they were a little obtuse. I was pretty frustrated. Uh, I budgeted $10,000 this year uh, for billboards, where I was going to put billboards up of all of the, these players in the system, because I was so frustrated. I was going to at least embarrass them in their own hometown. I don't think my wife would have let me do that, and my dad tried to talk me out of it, and so did Kristen. But uh, Logan can vouch that when we made budgets this year, I budgeted $10,000 for billboards. And I wasn't going to do anything defamation or libel, nothing was untrue i was going to just put their pictures up and say incompetent question mark crooked question mark and just put those up on every billboard um and take the least flattering photo of them i could find but i'm not really that mean i guess we'll never know because i went to the state and the state was smarter and they said first gonna win and they told the local group we suggest you settle because first gonna win and you're gonna waste our time in trial so I had to find a local attorney to paper because um, I didn't have my Illinois license, so I couldn't do my own tax bill. I just did the work. So I found our eviction attorney and said, hey, I'll give you 150 bucks to sign this. So he signed up. He's my lawyer. And I put all the paper dealer packets together with, with my team support, of course. And it delayed my refinance because of valuation difference. I was going for a 5.25 cap rate. Well, my taxes were going up 16000 So 16000 is a net negative hit on my NOI. 
16,000 divided by 0.525. So $304,000 valuation kick in the stomach. If I take that at a 75 LTV, I'm going to have $228,000 less in my pocket at refi time, which is going to really frustrate me. So I delayed the refinance, went to the state, ended up winning. Well, then the whole expansion thing was going on, got delayed, delayed, delayed. The state has literally one person that works on this, and he's a pretty sharp guy, but he's the only guy. So he takes forever, and my architect took forever. So I ended up delaying this thing like six months, but ultimately we got it done. And I paid off my original loan, which is like, I think it was like a million one. Uh, it was a million forty originally, so I think it was down to like a million. And I own the storage debt-free. I own the expansion area debt-free and the little building there debt-free. So I'll have about 13 pads debt-free and the storage of 42. But then the value of the park, because we improved the park, macroeconomic conditions improved from a cap rate perspective. We pushed the rent twice. We sub-metered it. We had very low taxes, artificially low perhaps, because we won the tax bill in total. And we had very good efficiencies of management because we were local. And this deal just appraised at 3300000 26 months after I bought it for a million four twenty-five. We ended up doing a 65 LTV now, instead of 75 on the refinance because you got to have there's DCR limitations on the refi on the maximum proceeds. There's exit constraints on the refi, so we couldn't quite service the uh, 1.35 DCR debt coverage ratio on 75 LTV. If we went to 65 LTV, they'd give us five years of interest-only loan and a lower rate. So. We end up going with we end up going with that, and also it looked it looks good for my balance sheet and for future loans. Cause like, look, this guy's not greedy. I've taken 65 LTV on the last three Fannie deals I've done this year, so it really helps um, for future approvability. But on this deal, still for Dad and me, that led to a million dollars net cash out proceeds, in addition to still having the storage and still having the expansion area, but no debt on them, and. That, my friends, is how you can make a million dollars in your hometown with low market rents. Rents are in the low twos. They're now 230. Um, and that's the highest in this market. So you don't need to buy a park with $400 rents to make real money. You don't need to gouge your tenants to make real money. I mean, I just made real money on this deal. And and by the way, when it's a, when it's a cash out refinance, it's tax free because I still owe it back to the bank. Now it's a non-recourse loan, but I, so I made a million dollars between dad and me with zero tax impact legally. We took care of our tenants. They love us. We've improved it. Dad, dad loves deck decor. So he puts out a Christmas display and um, he has a buckboard wagon in his house for decor. But he, and here he put up straw bales and Halloween decorations and corn cobs and you know, the whole nine yards. So these people really like appreciate that he's watching it and he's and he's out there on a regular basis. And it's you know, only ten minutes from his house, right? So it's not too too hard for him to get out there. But you can do things right, treat people right, improve their lives and if you and if and we didn't even buy this like a bargain, but we bought it at a good price and then we fixed it and macroeconomic trends are in our favor and you can turn what was couple hundred thousand dollars down which is not insignificant it was I think we got a I think we had to get a 30% loan on this uh, if my memory serves let me do the math here I'm as smart as I once was 427 down 
I don't think it was that much. I think we did 75% down. I don't think we had that down. But you can turn it into a million plus in just, just about two years. So really kind of cool, really kind of fun. And, yeah, that's this deal. Uh, I don't think I have much else to talk about with it. Um, it'll soon be over 100 pads if you take the expansion area. So fun times. Till next time, thanks and God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.